0: Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. I'm Oliver Dowson. Let me be your guide as to how businesses, all kinds of businesses, small and large, can grow, solve their business problems, increase their profits, and grow their value. In these podcasts, we talk to all sorts of interesting people that bring their skills, experience, and insights to all aspects of international expansion. I hope you like these podcasts. If you do, subscribe, and keep listening every week. We love comments too. And do share and tell others and check out our resources on our growinternational.org website. Who ordered the battered cod? doesn't sound like a book about exporting, but that's what it is, and it's written by a genuine expert in the field, Doug Jackson. In my opinion, it's a must read for anyone in business who's thinking about exporting, and even those who are seasoned professionals will find many useful insights. Doug explains the important methodologies of export through a whole range of examples of his own anecdotal experiences, as well as those of others. Over a career spanning 40 years working mostly in metals distribution and manufacturing, Doug's led several UK businesses with turnovers up to £40 million. He spent much of that time abroad, developing international sales and setting up export operations to Europe, Scandinavia, Africa, India, China, Southeast Asia, Australia, you name it. So... Unlike so many business books, Doug writes from real, personal, on-the-ground experience. From Taiwan to Tanzania, I could relate to all his experiences that he expresses in ways both amusing and insightful. Doug's actually written two books. The first one was a memoir of his childhood experiences in a British boarding school. He donated the proceeds of that to Alzheimer's research, and he's a community speaker for them. In this podcast, though, Doug's talking to me about his new book, Who Order the Better Cod." And I really enjoyed our conversation. I think you will too. I'm talking today with Doug Jackson, um, who's um, an expert in export, and he's written um, a great book, uh, which we're going to talk about today. And Doug, welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. Thank you, Oliver. Uh, uh, Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Okay, I'm, uh, yeah, Doug Jackson. I spent, uh, well, 40 years of my career in international trade one way or the other, largely in steel and metal distribution, but, uh, also including a couple of engineering companies. Um, and over that time, I just, uh, gained a lot for travel, little and exporting. I mean, I, I was traveling from the age of eight from boarding school out to I could visit my parents abroad, and that, uh, on, on, the, on the old Comet 4B when they first started flying. Um, so that sort of, uh, gave me a taste for travel, I suppose, and then when I went into business, I realised fairly early on that uh, exporting for, for the UK was really important, and of course it, it remains so today. So I've loved travelling the world, uh, exporting to to countries all over, I mean there's 190-odd to choose from these days, isn't there? So it's, uh, it was a big market.
0: 195 actually.
1: 195 is it, right? So,
0: <laughs> okay. according, according to my list. Um, okay. I have a running competition with a friend of mine over how many countries we visited. Um, I'm up to 131 and he's up to about 140. Um, Excellent. But uh, that's because when he was young, he crewed a yacht around the South Pacific and almost Ah, every island is a country.
1: Yeah, that's cheating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I tell him. Um, And I'm often accused of um, having got into international business because I like travelling so much but uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, do you think that actually loving travel is n- is a necessary starter to getting into export?
1: I think it's pretty important. I mean, traveling is, uh, as you know, is, is pretty tiring and, and tough. And if, if you don't enjoy that aspect of it, uh, I think it becomes just uh, a job. It became a passion for me. I mean, I just love going to different countries, meeting different people. And it gives you a completely different perspective on the UK when you look back from another country. Um, even today, with all the shenanigans we're going through with uh, the Brexit uh, process, there is a huge respect for, for the UK and, and that's something that you can leverage into your business activities and uh, and help to sell products from, uh, from this country.
0: Absolutely. And yet there are a lot of businesses still that are not into export. I have sometimes thought that that's because um, businesses wouldn't admit it, but owners sort of reach a level of contentment or complacency, probably a nasty thing to say, not really the right words, but they become risk-averse, and maybe they don't like travel.
1: I think there's a bit of that. I think also there's uh, there's a lot of fear about exporting, because it's viewed as something that is difficult to do, and indeed, and this is why I wrote the book, really, that, that to try and demystify it a bit, and get people as passionate about exporting as I am.
0: Absolutely, and um, the book of course, is full of um, great anecdotal uh, evidence of uh, experience in exporting. You've obviously um, had, you've obviously not only had great experience, but a really good time doing it. Yeah,
1: well, don't tell too many people that I was supposed to be working. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I think if you can mix work and pleasure from that perspective, I mean, if you find work a pleasure, then of course it obviously makes it much better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, so for businesses that are not already exporting, um, but they manufacture things and they want to export, um, what's really the first thing they should be thinking about to get into it?
1: Yeah, the the first chapter of the book is entitled Getting Match Fit, and and that's the phrase I use to talk to to companies about the fact they need to be absolutely 100% sure that they're their people, their products, their systems, their documentation is 100% right before they ship anything abroad. And if, if something goes wrong, that you ship to Guangdong province on the eastern seaboard of China. Much more difficult to sort out than if you've got a problem in Gateshead. You know, right. if, it's, if it's your domestic market, you jump in a car, go and see the customer, sort the problem out, and problem problem solved. If it's to the other side of the world, it's very much more difficult. So it's really important that. Uh, that everything is is 100 right, and indeed the Department of Natural Trade published some statistics about how successful businesses are once they start to export. So there's a there's a benefit that comes back into your business once you're exporting, and, and the reason for that is that to export in the first place, you have to be absolutely sure that your products are correct. I mean, one of the uh, the companies I spoke to for the book was uh, Morgan Motors in Melbourne, and mm. talking to the chief executive there, he he was telling me their cars they have 30 month warranties. That 70% of their, their cars are now exported.
0: Right. So, if something
1: goes wrong in the course of the first few months of, of that vehicle, it's really expensive to get the thing back to the UK to fix it. Absolutely. Uh, because they're specialist motor cars and they don't really want people in other countries tinkering with them unless they know what they do.
0: I can understand that. And obviously, that's uh, an important area to, to think about. So, I, I think the lessons you've put in the Match Fit um, section are are really important, and particularly uh, of your observation of don't take your problem children abroad.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's, yeah. If anybody's had young children abroad on a holiday in an aircraft don't know what, what, what I'm talking about. And you can you can liken that to, to a business product. You know, you, you have to make sure that everything is 100% before you, uh, before you take them away because it's going to be very expensive if you hit a problem later on.
0: Hmm. And yet that shouldn't actually put businesses off um, exporting. They should really be thinking, selecting what is, it, what is it that they do, what is it that they make that they can be completely reliant upon um, sending abroad, right? Yep, I
1: agree with that, totally.
0: Okay. Um, now lots lot of um, businesses are uh, tempted into starting their export journey Purely through using agents and distributors. And sometimes some of the advice that I see um, coming out, particularly from like government and quango type agencies, is just get an agent or get a distributor and they'll do everything for you. But I see dangers in that, don't you? Yeah,
1: there are. And uh, I've I've made some mistakes uh, over the years. So I I put my facts into the book so, so other people don't have to make the same mistakes. But there are some do's and don'ts with agents and distributors, assuming that's the way you want to channel your product into a market. Um, I always started by talking to the local embassy, the Consulate the High Commission through the DIT here in, in this country, because they very often have lists of uh, agents and distributors and people who can help you in that market. So it kind of makes sense to start at that point. They won't necessarily find you the right people, but at least it gives you someone to talk to.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: then I think you need to ensure that you get references, you know, talk to people who are using these, uh, these guys already and just find out whether they've done a decent job for them. Um, and some of the don'ts, uh, I mean, don't sign up long term, it seems fairly obvious, but, uh, you know, it takes a while to get to know somebody, particularly across the other side of the world even if you're business regularly, because you don't know what's happening once you've jumped on a plane and gone home. So don't sign up long term. Don't give them exclusivity until you're absolutely certain that's the, the right way to go with that particular distributor agent.
0: Right. And one of the things that I think sometimes I've met people who've been tempted into this is or just assume that they can appoint an agent or distributor from here and then not actually ever go and meet them or not actually go and see them in their own territory. And yeah, I suppose, it's partly because I love travel, but I really see the need of actually sort of seeing it on the ground. I've visited yeah, so many sort of offices I really wouldn't want to go into even if they were in the backwoods of a another country.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, these days it's very easy to communicate with learners on the Skype, FaceTime, whatever, but there's no replacement for getting in front of people face-to-face, understanding the body language, getting to know these people, and as you say, uh, understanding what, where they operate. Um, I'm going to visit some, some of their existing customers with them just to understand how they how they operate. And there's no, no replacement for that, and there's a cost to that, of course, and you've got to get out out to that particular country in terms of the time you've got to put into it, but there's, uh, there's no other way.
0: And sometimes you can really learn how to adapt your own uh, product or business to exploit opportunities in other countries. I mean, I was taken by the story in your book about the uh, uh, potato processors, alias, Tyr- uh, alias Tyrrells, who
1: oh Tyrrells. Yeah, yeah, went
0: from crisps yeah. to, was it vodka?
1: Uh, vodka, yeah, that was amazing. Well, that that's the story of uh, William Trent. Who was a, he was a potato farmer in Hereford and he was uh, struggling with his margins, with uh, selling potatoes to the big supermarket chains, um, and he thought, well, maybe I can do something different. He bought a, a small potato uh, crisp, or chips, as we have to call them now, because they're owned by an American company, um, <laughs> and st- started trying these things in, in one of his barns. And it took off from there, literally. Till's crisp has now been sold on to some capitalists in the States, worth worth trillions of dollars. Um, but he then moved into into Bocker and, and the way he came across that, he was on a business trip to the talking to some, uh, some guys in a bar who were making vodka out of potatoes and there was another light bulb moment so he came home and started that, chase vodka is the result of that. And they're now exporting to 42 different countries.
0: Fascinating. Uh, that that Tyrrell's example, a bit like um, mm-hmm. two or three of the others in the book, um, sure. really got into exporting an international business only after they'd been acquired by uh, venture capitalists or other investors and yet um, surely businesses really need to be looking to start their international journey um, long before they get acquired because they can increase the value of their business once they're in the acquisition process.
1: Yeah, of course they can, and and there are there are some other businesses in, in the book that I speak about. Sadler's Ails which are a small micro brewery in the, in the Black Country, and they they did exactly That that was a family business. Uh, they just started uh, looking at uh, how they might export, um, and they just got on with it. They, they didn't have any great big strategy. They just thought, I wonder if our beer would go down well in Poland. Let's go and have a look, and and they're now exporting uh, all over the world, like like of these companies. So there's there's endless examples in the book. of, some have fallen into exporting by accident, as, as I did with all of the businesses I was running a few years ago. Um, others have sat down and worked out a strategy. Uh, Alec Mullers is another one that uh, is quite an interesting uh, story. Now, they are a supplier of uh, lawnmowers to FIFA for the, the World Cup uh, every, every four years. Um, they're now moving into uh, Major League Baseball and, and uh, Football in the States. And that's a small company in Stafford making lawnmowers and really, yeah, and, and that's all they do. Uh, these things are costing sort of five or ten thousand pounds. It's, it's not like the uh, thirty nine uh, ninety nine flymo we buy from B and Q, is a professional <laughs> professional loom.
0: The one know, I have for my are, back garden in London, yes,
1: exactly. I, now, now these things are, uh, are going all over the world now, and the, the stripes that you see on football pictures of Wimbledon and wherever are created by allot mowers, and there is another competitor as well, but they're, they're the main ones. Oh, so right. uh, And that's a, that's a remarkable uh, exporting story.
0: Absolutely. Um, because I guess these these mowers are sort of really expensive beasts.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, you're, you're talking sort of uh, 5, 10,000-pound
0: beasts. Mm. And uh, obviously that's going to generate a, a big a turnover increase if they can get them out given that uh, uh, there must be an awful lot of um, sports fields to mow far more around the world than there are in one's own country well
1: yeah there are they're now beginning to move into china china have some uh, as they do with a, a lot of aspects of their life they I mean, have, have a major government program of building uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh,
0: fields over the next few years, and Alan Moors are onto that already, so they've uh, you know, they've been sending samples out already to, to try and capture some of that market early on. Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to, um, you know, spoil the um, the t- the end of the story of who actually ordered the battered cod. Um, <laughs> you, have, you know, we book uh, It's it's the title of the book, and yeah. uh, it it. Interestingly enough, I was actually reading that particular section, I was actually on a train in Taiwan, which happened to be where um, somebody was <laughs> even contemplating ordering battered cod, which is right. an interesting thought for people who've never been there but think it's just purely <laughs> Chinese. So uh, I'll, I'll let people read the book to actually hear re- read the rest of the story. Um, Thank you for
1: not spoiling that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, no. And uh, I, I think they can order the book through Amazon, is that correct?
1: They can, yes. And It's,
0: uh, it's available there and also on uh, Smashwords which is uh, an e-book uh, site. Okay, well for all of our listeners you can find full details of where to get the book um, and even an article with an extract from Doug's book um, an entertaining extract um, set in uh, Dar es Salaam in Tanzania uh, in the supporting page that you'll find on our growinternational.org platform again that's growinternational.org and i hope you'll take a look there look at the article um listen again to the podcast and buy the book and uh, read it i highly recommend it it's a great background to exporting um full of anecdotes from around the world but turned into real practical advice so it's like a sort of combination of um, entertaining stories with real practical advice and diagrams and charts and how to do it. So um, personally, I, I I would recommend it. And uh, Doug, I hope you have a great deal of success with this book. Thank you very much. Great. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Doug. Um, uh, you've got so much to offer to people. Um, and I know that you also um, run DNA Business engineering, um, which is, um, I think, your own company, right? That's right, yes, two of us who, uh, who run that.
1: Uh, it's a consultancy, we're, we're advising companies about how to grow their business. A big part of that, of course, is uh, international trade strategies.
0: Fine, so details of how to get back in touch with Doug, or of course, you can, I'm also, uh, I and my team at Grow International also welcome your calls and comments at any time, and we'll happily put you in touch. So that's great. Thank you very much indeed. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and this podcast. I really welcome your comments and also suggestions for future conversations. We post new content every week, so please do click on the subscribe button and follow this, the Growth Through International Expansion podcast. You can also find the transcript, other articles and detailed resources relating to this episode on our website, growinternational.org. There, you can also join as a member for future updates and find all our other articles, videos and podcasts and benefit from other features, including free consultations and independent online advice. Again, that's www.growinternational.org. Until next time, this is Oliver Dowson, wishing you success and reminding you, that international expansion may be easier than you may think.